Hey, you're listening to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and so want to make Him the centre of our lives, our community and our world. We're going to learn how to do that right now as we sit down and unpack Sunday's sermon. Here we go. Welcome to Banter. We did it. We're at the end of Jeremiah. Mitch, how are you doing? I'm good. Really good. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, really special time on a Sunday to finish up looking at New Covenant, which we'll we'll get into. But um, I'd love to, as we sort of just jump in today, ask you, what's, um, as we now sort of step away from Jeremiah, one thing that you feel will really sort of hook in for you personally? Uh, That week we looked at Jeremiah's laments Mm. and that probably the most powerful I think I preached it not long after Rach had kind of come back from hospital mm. and all that. And so I know there were some people that were going through stuff that really responded like positively after this. And it's probably the most like feedback I've gotten. People just going, I never knew that. Mm. Oh, I felt like that, but no, and like never felt like I could express it. And mm. so, yeah, I just think it was quite freeing for a lot of people to see, hey, this prophet, like, Mm. called God a deceptive brook accused him of deceiving him mm. using language of like mm. rape and yeah just that escalation that he had and and even just his emotional state particularly in that chapter 20 where it's like you know you deceive me but I can't keep preaching then he calls God a mighty warrior and then he starts mm. cursing the day of his birth mm. and curses the guy that brought the news of his mum being pregnant to his father you mm. think like Wow, but it just gives you like how human emotions are. You can be depressed, happy, depressed. It's not just mm. a, a steady state. And yeah, I think for me in particular, I found that just deeply encouraging to mm. see <clears throat> the insight into the mind of a man that really wrestled with his calling, wrestled with what God was doing. Because mm. he can know something. Like he knew Jer- <clears throat> Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. But I don't think that's what he wanted. Like I don't like deep yeah. down Jeremiah didn't want yeah. Jerusalem to be destroyed. Yeah, well, it was it would have been his home and his yeah. ancestors' home and you know, it's yeah. not And yeah. I think truthfully too, I don't Yahweh wanted like God didn't want Jerusalem no. to be destroyed. There's a reason why Jeremiah preached so much judgment. It's like, hey, yeah. turn around, repent, like make this thing stop and so yeah, that, that lament passage of just recognizing, even though I know what the outcome's gonna be, mm. I don't want it to happen. And just yeah, just that rejection and that, yeah, for me, it's always been quite liberating to be, yeah, just have that theology of lament and recognize yeah. too that sometimes God is silent and doesn't answer prayers how you want. So, yeah, that's the standout for me. Yeah. No, I definitely think that just uh, God is bigger than a single emotional state. <laughs> <laughs> just that um, not only is God still present um, in the weeping and in the anger even, um, but the fact that he goes one step further and actually gives us language for that mm. and gives us, you know, as you said, a theology of lament, a framework through which to journey with God through those moments. Um, yeah, it's just a constant reminder that our our God is living and active mm. and he is with us in all seasons and that, um, yeah, there's not this sort of... Um, shallow sort of happy clappy mm. religion that we're invited into but it's a real relationship in in all its you know warts and all mm. i think that that is really helpful even in just being reminded again of the intimacy with god mm. because let's be real we're not um hopefully <laughs> showing those sort of raw emotions as 
regularly to people who we're not super close with. That's, you know, it's sort of like being a bit naked and Mm. vulnerable and and showing the ugly sides of ourselves, you know, being able to show that to our God Mm. and for God to be there in it, I think also says so much about his desire for the type of relationship that he wants Mm. with us. It's pretty cool. It is cool. Yeah. So... That's my highlight. Do you have a highlight? <clears throat> oh, look, like pr- probably just that. I mean, I, I think that the other thing for me is just looking at how to, you know, toe that line of a God who does actually promise prosperity. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, just that prosperity can look different to how maybe we yeah. hope or expect. Mm. Um I, I, I really do, yeah, think it's incredibly biblical to say, yeah, like God wants his people to prosper and mm. he wants to bless them, you know. Um, but, yeah, what that looks like may not always be aligned with our dream or vision of mm. it. So I think that that's just a helpful thing as well. And to remember, there's actually, um, I may have shared this with you recently, but uh, the now previous principal of Mauling College, uh, Ross Clifford, he uh, sort of did a one class with us last semester. He was just talking about um, being a pastor, but I think it applies to being a Christian as mm. well. Um, he's just talking about how Paul speaks about beating his body and how, you know, how much he, he struggles and, and, and the pain and the frustrations that he goes to. And he goes, you know, like being a pastor isn't about being happy. Like that's, that's not the point. Like you don't become a pastor um, or a missionary or a chaplain or whatever, you know, people might be studying at Mauling um, to live like a happy, easy life. That's Mm. not the point. Um, Because if that's the point, then you'll stop when it gets hard. (laughs) Mm. Um, And yeah, I think that expands to the Christian life that we don't enter this walk with Jesus. Um, yeah, with the promise that it's going to be a, you know, little gondola ride through, <laughs> you know, Venice. It's going to be, yeah, like it's going to be a hike and there's yeah. going to be big moments. But um, that's the way God has planned it. Mm. So we have to trust that that's the best mm. plan. And yeah. yeah. God never promised it'd be easy, but no. he promises his <clears throat> presence. Yeah. So, yeah. That he'll carry mm. us through and be there with us. Um, there's so much to unpack with this idea of an old covenant and a new covenant. Um, and yeah, just to sort of put my, I haven't put this hat on for a while, but critics hat on for a second. Um, we spoke about before we started this idea. Um, well, you said on Sunday, the new covenant isn't really mentioned that much to be honest Mm. like in the old testament this is really the only place in the old testament where this idea of a new covenant is mentioned obviously jesus speaks about this idea of a new covenant um are we majoring on a minor when we talk about new covenants um so while the word new covenant only appears in jeremiah ezekiel talks about an everlasting covenant Mm. so the idea so Jeremiah talks about I'll make a covenant with the house of the people of Israel and the people of Judah. Mm. Ezekiel picks up two broken sticks and mm. says it represents the house of Ephraim, the house of Judah, and he Bring joins them there. So um, there was this. So even though, like I said, that new covenant language only appears once in the Old Testament, mm. the idea in these prophets, particularly around the post and the mm. exilic period, was this new covenant will be reuniting mm. Israel to how it should be, mm. and so. Yeah, and Ezekiel talks about um, having a new heart, mm. oh, you know, heart of stone to a heart of flesh, and yeah. sprinkling people with water yeah. and cleansing them, and so yeah, yeah. So it's 
the idea is there in scripture mm. this idea of an yeah. eternal covenant it's like new yeah is definitely there typically from yeah as i jeremiah and Ezekiel, yeah, the big three. <laughs> well, it's interesting, even with Ezekiel, that um, passage of the two branches being brought together mm. is right after the Valley of Dry Bones. Yes. This idea of a, a resurrection, mm. this idea of something which is completely unkosher, like being out in a gravesite mm. with dirty, dry bones, and this new life being brought into it, this spirit-infused uh. life and, and and resurrection to then be tied into that image mm. of you know these two houses being brought together. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's so obvious in hindsight how did they not see it but yeah I think that that is helpful to know so then when we're using the language of new and old covenant um, we kind of spoke on Sunday about you know you threw it out to the to the congregation what's another word for covenant because it is a bit of a Christianese word and um, I think promise was was what we sort of landed on but relationship agreement um there's these ideas um for you what is it about covenant specifically that really like hits the bullseye that maybe some of those words miss out on a little bit yeah um yeah i guess covenant in a sense like a sort of holy language Mm. it creates an agreement can just imply like oh yeah i agree to meet you here um a, pro- a promise sort of works too, but a covenant works. The Hebrew word like yeah, belut, it was cu- like cutting a covenant. Mm. There was this, it was a solemn agreement. Mm. Um, when when you did make a covenant with someone, there was generally blessings mm. and curses. So there was a blessing about being in the covenant, but if you breached the terms of the covenant, <clears throat> there was a curse. And mm. oh, there's so much, you can Google it, so much literature out there from the ancient Near East. Of kings making covenants with vassal states, and it's like, mm. hey, if you know you do this, I will bless you. I will da 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 da. But if you are wrong, you know, you will be killed. I'll invade you. There's sure. And um, <clears throat> yeah, the the Torah with follows a lot of that similar ancient Near Eastern. They call it suzerain vassal. I don't know. Suzerain's mm. a fancy word for king. And yeah. Vassals obviously like the weaker party. And yeah. Deuteronomy follows that. Like you have a preamble, a description about the relationship. You go into what the suzerain or the king has done. Here are the like the terms of following it, the blessings and the curses. And Deuteronomy mm. follows that pattern. Mm. Well, and so, yeah. And I, while I, the Bible used that language of cutting a covenant, it was often that there was animals mm. involved. And in cutting that, and not every covenant in the scripture involves a cutting. Like sure. Noah's Ark, there's the office of sacrifice, but the it's a sign of the rainbow. Yeah, it's a burnt offering that he offers. Yeah. <clears throat> when um when God makes his promise to David that he'll have yeah. a son that will rule forever, there's yeah. no cutting there. But it's still mm. that language that's used because that's all people were familiar with. When mm-hmm. you normally made a covenant, there was some sort of sacrifice. And yeah. the example I used was from Genesis. I have to remember which chapter in Genesis. Yeah. This is my problem. I know where stories stories, but where they actually yeah, come yeah, from. Yeah. But um in Genesis, um Abraham well Yahweh gets Abraham to um, get all these animals <coughs> and Abraham cuts them in half and yeah. he, like, fights them off and essentially makes like a tunnel of death. So you got, so you imagine like... <laughs> That's a great name for like a heavy metal band. <laughs> tunnel of death. <laughs> and, um, oh, dude, it's a su- imagine a super gory scene. So imagine getting an yeah. animal car, like a cow, cutting it in half and placing yeah. like one half here, one half there. Yeah. And essentially what both parties would do is they'd walk between 
the um, animal carcasses in yeah. a way saying, hey, if I don't follow this agreement, mm. I am saying I'm going to become like this animal cut apart. Mm. What's interesting in the... Gosh, I've got to find which chapter. But anyway... Um, <coughs> Let me try and find it for you. You'll find out what I'm talking. Yeah. Anyway, in the, um, what happens is Abraham kind of... Um, he keeps away all the birds. It's a bit weird. And he has this dream and God says to him, hey, yeah, you're... Descendants will spend 400 years and they'll be... Or they'll go to Egypt and they'll be oppressed and then... Anyway. Genesis 15. Genesis 15. Yeah, Very it good. It was just Google. It was yeah. nothing, nothing <laughs> to do with my biblical Nothing knowledge. off the top of your head. Oh, there you go. I'll find it in um new version. And so here we go. It says that you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land and be oppressed for 400 years. It promises to punish them. And then after four generations, your descendants will return to this land. And then what's really cool is how it ends is after the sun goes down, mm. only one party goes through. Mm. And that's yeah, Yahweh mm. as this like flaming torch. Mm. It says here, this is the NLT version. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abraham saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt. And goes on. But mm. like... And one of those scholars noticed that only one party walks through. Mm. And so essentially God's placed the curse upon himself, not mm. upon Abraham. Wow. So, yeah, it's, so it's, in a way it's pointing us to Jesus. Mm. So while Abraham kept those birds away from eating the, the flesh, it's God who places that curse upon himself. And so, yeah, in, in Scripture, or particularly Old Testament, people think God's this God of wrath and mm. anger and no mercy or grace but that's a sign of yeah god's grace mm. for abram and same with noah's flood the sign of the rainbow it's there's no hebrew word for rainbow it's like just an archer's bow mm. and the rainbow we see it's like the bow has been turned upside down pointing oh, into wow. heaven yeah so yeah so like just in a couple of those comments we get this glimpse of god like God's plan and purposes, mm. which point us to Jesus. And mm. so, yeah, if the archer's bow is pointing up to heaven, or well, who's the target? Well, it's the Son of God. If God as a flaming pot is going through his animal carcass, well, who's the one that's going to lay the curse for the failures, right? So mm. God's son. And so, yeah, well. yeah, so there's those glimpses. But the Sinai covenant, that's sort of the, the big one. That's important for us as Jeremiah, because Jeremiah is Moses 2.0. Well, well, Jesus is really Moses 2.0, but mm. uh, Moses 1.5. <laughs> so, so, yeah, Deuteronomy 18.18, there'll be a prophet like yeah. Moses. And so Jeremiah takes on that role. He uses a lot of that Deuteronomy, Deuteronomic language mm. to talk about the failure of the covenant. So Sinai was what they call a conditional covenant. Mm-hmm. So some covenants are unconditional, like Noah. God promised, I'm never going to flood the world again. Yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. matter what you and I do. Yeah. That's a promise God has said. Yeah, um, yeah Genesis 15, that's... a uh, it's a unconditional. Here's what's going to happen. Yeah. This is a promise. But Sinai is a conditional covenant, i.e. Mm. it's conditional on the Israelites' obedience mm. for it to be successful, mm. like for there to be a blessing. Mm. And so, yeah, and what what I think because we read the Gospels and Paul, and that's our framework for the law, we have this really negative view on the law and mm. well saying off air it wasn't really only until 2017 that I actually realised that the law wasn't oppressive like, it was given after the exodus which makes so much sense but until you kind of point out like, oh yeah mm. like, oh, it would have been a law of works had mm. it been given hey here's a law for you to follow if you do it then I'll let you go mm. like, it's actually no you've experienced the freedom yeah. 
And now for you to live as God's people, as a yeah. kingdom of priests and a holy nation, here are the requirements that you need to do. Mm. And in the ancient world, the more knowledge of a God, the mm. better. Mm. We get a little insight when Paul's in the Areopagus and he's like, hey, I see you've got a statue here to an unknown God. Yeah. So you're <laughs> ignorant of the very thing that you worship. Yeah. yeah. But like, and that was an idea though. Like you, if you didn't know the God's will, you're like, oh, have we made that God angry? Yeah. Have we done? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's in, um, it's in Kings when the um, Israelites are exiled by the Assyrians. Mm. They put in a new kind of nation and they start trying to like worship Yahweh and then they get attacked by animals and they're like, oh, we don't know what we're doing. And that's, that's that idea is that for a lot of these nations, they didn't know how to interact with their God. So it was guesswork. Mm. And yeah. you just hope that you didn't make that God cranky mm. and they sent lightning bolts down on you or wipe you out. Yeah. So Torah gives us so much detail how to live, how to offer sacrifices. Mm. And that's why the psalmist celebrated. I love your Torah. I meditate on it mm. day and night because in it, God's character is revealed. And yeah. so that's probably, a, for me, that was a big paradigm shift away from this. Ugh, when I would read the Bible, like, I hate Leviticus. I hate like yeah. numbers and Deuteronomy. It's so yeah. boring. I, I mean, actually, it is a hard read. To <laughs> yes. be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but shifting that to well, for these for the Israelites, this is fundamental because yeah. for them to have this knowledge of how to worship yeah. with Yahweh, yeah. Well, a name that they'll say so get a saying. They change it to Adonai. Where we're like, yeah. oh, we don't want to be. Yeah, had such a holy reverence when he even said the divine name. Mm. That's an important way to live because you know mm. what you can do, what you can't do. So, yeah. yeah, well, it's interesting. Like as you said, God frees them from Egypt through the Exodus, and then gives them essentially instructions to remain free. Mm. <laughs> right? It's yeah. like, hey, look, I've I've taken you out of slavery. Like, don't now become slaves to you know an idol or something mm. else. You know, even a slave to yourself. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, continue to live in that freedom. Yeah. And I um I did a talk a few years ago at our youth about. Uh, we were doing baking that night, so we bought a bunch of like greens and Betty Crocker, you know, sort yep. of instant mixes. Um, and I was sort of asking him the question. I was like, "What did you need to do to earn that like packet mix mm -hmm. and that egg and that milk and the oven? Like nothing. Like we completely mm -hmm. gave it to you, um, but without the instructions of how to bake all that stuff, yeah. like it's." just completely worthless mm. and ultimately like if you do it wrong it's going to completely burn and and or be undercooked <laughs> who knows which is worse <laughs> yeah. there um yeah but ultimately this idea of seeing the law as a gift mm. is i think paradigm shifting mm. um and something which is so important for us then when we get to a point where jesus is saying i did not come to abolish but to fulfill the mm. law and the prophets um and you're like how is this working that you know we have this you know, and it's kind of something that we're probably going to be talking a bit about this Sunday. But mm. how can we have what we could view as this really restrictive, sort of um, harsh rules that we have mm. to follow? Otherwise, we're going to be struck with, you know, fire from mm. heaven. And then Jesus comes with grace and love um, and says, I'm coming here to fulfill mm. that law. You're like, oh, how do we? carry that tension yeah. and i don't think it's so much that we misunderstand what jesus is bringing we misunderstood what moses was being given yeah. on mount sinai and look admittedly and it was a problem in jesus day was the pharisees had just gone way overboard and yeah. it was actually born out of a desire not to go back into exile yeah so you could call like ezra and nehemiah for lack of a better word like a proto-pharisee 
Like these guys mm. were so yeah. Like he's, you read the end of Nehemiah, he's like whipping people yeah. and like, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's this fear yeah. of like, man, we just came back from yeah, yeah, exile yeah. and now you're like yeah. flagrantly yeah. disobeying Torah. R- ripping people's beards out. And <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And it was just so, yeah, it became what was probably something that was intended for good just mm. became like life sucking. And mm. so Jesus coming in and saying like, yeah, like this isn't like the intention of like, Torah was for is meant to give life like the Sabbath Sabbath mm. wasn't meant to be this oppressive thing which is mm. I think why Jesus chose to have to do a lot of his healings really yeah. Yeah, grind yeah. the Pharisees gears of like hey, this, like even he even see, Jesus said like hey like oh, even on Sabbath you untie your animals so yeah. your animal can be fed and watered you would pull like yeah that's what Sabbath was for like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not there to like yeah oppress you it's meant to be life-giving to remind you of god and so there's still Mm. things you're going to do on that Mm. and so that's what jesus was yeah Yeah. i think it's something profound about the human condition that we love to take things and twist them and so quickly get them wrong uh because i think ultimately like that that the first law was supposed to be life-giving in fact all of israel was invited up the mountain it wasn't just moses like all of the israelites were invited to be up there with with God um, and they're like oh like this is scary oh, you go up by yeah. without it's like they're the ones who dictated that paradigm mm. of Moses being the sort of figurehead the mm. mouthpiece and or Aaron was the mouthpiece but yeah, this yeah, sort yeah. of representative for the whole of Israel um, so it's interesting that suddenly we get to Jesus and then we sort of want to start making priests again mm. you know and create this people and forgetting that there is a, a, a new nation of everyone but I think that ultimately it's a good challenge for us in all areas to be making sure time and time again and checking in with ourselves these things which are meant to be life-giving are they becoming oppressive and are mm, we becoming life. slaves to them um, yeah it's a I think a constant check-in that we all need in our own yeah. lives <laughs> so with well, sorry you go oh, you, oh, I was gonna say yeah no I was just going to talk about with all of this um, in in sort of the mm. background there um, there's this other sort of covenant that um, you spoke about of the marriage covenant mm. um, and, and that intimate knowledge that mm. we're sort of invited back into. It's almost yeah. like we're all, as as Jesus sort of gives the Sermon on the Mount, we're all invited back up that mountain to become face-to-face mm. with God again. Um, this is an intimate covenant. What mm. do you sort of see here happening yeah. with Yada to know deeply? Yeah, so like I said on Sunday... Um Yada's not just like, oh, yeah, I know two plus two equals four. It's often... So you use in scripture, like Adam knew his wife as a way of like expressing like sexual intimacy mm. in marriage. Yes. Yeah. yeah, joining of <clears throat> two people into one. And it's interesting that in Jeremiah 31, like God says, hey, you know, this, is a, this covenant won't be like the one I made when I took them by the hand out of Egypt. They broke the covenant, even though I loved them as a husband loves his wife. It's interesting mm. that God actually identifies himself as a husband in that. And yeah, part of that knowledge is that people will just be so intimate with God. They won't, they won't need to teach their neighbors, nor will they teach their relatives because... Yeah, they'll have the the law. Well, in the NLT, I like it. They have. They'll put my instructions. That's probably a better word than law. Mm. Instructions, mm. like my instructions, deep within them, and I'll write it on their hearts. Mm. So there's this. Yeah, and look, Deuteronomy. Even though we think of the law as external thing, there was this. Even the Ten Commandments, the final commandments, thou shalt not covet, 
how do you police coveting? Mm-hmm. You can complete, you can police stealing and mm-hmm. adultery and mm-hmm. murder, but so even within the, like the old covenant, like on Sinai, there was an element of like this thing needs to be internalized, not just pure mm-hmm. externals. But yeah, just like in a, in a marriage relationship, you're meant to know your spouse in this deep, intimate way. Like the marriage covenant is. Yeah, of all human relations, meant to be the closest. Mm. Sadly, many of us don't live that way, but that was God's intention with our spouses. Is, is It's the same with God, is that when he yeah, puts his instruction or his law on our hearts and within our minds, it's meant to transform the community in such a way that... Like, I get a picture of Revelation. Mm. That's what I see. Like, it clearly isn't happening now. We, the tension with Scripture is there's a now, but not yet. Mm. So... Jesus has bought the new covenant. We're not seeing it in its fulfillment. Mm. Like the spirit, he is living within us. He guides us, <clears throat> renews our minds, renews our thoughts, protects us. Mm. But I, I can't say honestly that I feel like God's instruction is so deeply within me that mm. I you know, I don't need to teach. I just know. Mm. <clears throat> so there's yeah. a and now but not yet. We're in so, act four <laughs> of a five act play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Waiting for Jesus' return for that to happen. So but that marriage imagery, I think, is the great way to just understand that this mm. covenant that God's desire is to be with His people. He says, oh, "I, <coughs> they will be, I will be their God, and they will be my people." And yeah, from the very beginning of the fall, God's desire has been to reunite mm. His people. We mm. can again going back to that kind of caricature of the Old Testament God of being the God of wrath. Think mm. that you know. God's there just waiting to whack, 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 whack us. Mm. His anger is, yeah, it's against sin and injustice mm. and evil. Mm. And yeah, he's not just angry for the sake of being mm. angry. His anger is born out of love. And yeah, and using that marriage analogy. Um, yeah, I think of it this way. If I think I might say this on a podcast for, but if Rachel has an affair, which she hasn't, but if she did, and my response is just meh. Like it doesn't show love, mm. like a response of anger and betrayal and hurt shows. Well, hey, like we're meant to be like, you know, two becoming one. There's mm. meant to be this love and trust. And if you've betrayed that, that's very deeply hurtful. Mm. And so that's how God views it. Like yeah. for the Israelites, like I'm my husband, you're like my wife. Like that's yeah, what yeah. the that's what it's meant to be. And yeah. so God's saying, well, because He didn't fail, the Israelites failed. No, I'm going to ensure that it will happen. And yeah, it's, and what's interesting about it, it's almost in a sense that, I don't know, for lack of a better word, we almost become robots, but not. Mm. Like, God's going to do it. Mm. We can't do it, so I'm going to do it on behalf of you. Just like we're, just like you and I can't stop if, you know, the flood war is coming. That's God. Just like Abraham didn't walk through the animal carcass, mm. it was God. Mm. He's doing that again. It's like, well, you guys can't save yourself, so I'm mm. going to do it. Mm. And there's very little hints of how that will look. In Jeremiah, it's just like, oh, well, you know, there'll be no longer need to teach people. <clears throat> you, you, <clears throat> For everyone from the least to the greatest will already know me, and I'll forgive their wickedness and never again remember their sins. So, so, so this is literally a conversation I was having with Lou today mm. in our office, talking about how I do really enjoy learning. Mm. Like, I, I feel like there's great joy there so this is a complete hypothetical question yeah. but will there be no more learning Ooh, uh, in yeah. heaven because i think for me mm. i um c- 
can definitely see in the same way that Adam um, and Eve were called to work the mm. ground in a beautiful way that mm. was abundant and, and, and fruitful and pos- prosperous. And then outside of that, they then had to work a ground that was dry and barren and had thistles and thorns. Um, and suddenly they ate from the sweat of their brow. Mm. I can definitely see how there could be a version of learning um, more of God's word that could yeah. feel a bit like the sweat of the brow yeah. and some that could feel um, like a actual sort of heavenly yeah. revelation thing. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I haven't really thought about that too much. Because you love learning. I do love learning. <laughs> um, yeah. What's interesting too is this is a predominantly oral society where mm. there wasn't much reading happening. Sure. So, yeah, sp- for a lot of Israelites, I suppose your, your dose of Torah might only be once a year. Like Honestly, when you had the... Day, like Day of Atonement or mm-hmm. Feast of Booths or whenever you heard a scripture reading because it wasn't like there was just copies and copies and copies. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Just email me that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was very few scrolls around. So so I guess in that sense, learning was challenging because they didn't have much access to it. Like, yeah. I've got my laptop in front of me. I've got my phone open to Jeremiah 31. Yeah. Like, like we had so much access to information yeah. in a sense. So... Yeah, I've never I've never really thought about that too deeply mm. about whether there'll be no learning. Mm. Um, yeah, probably I probably look at it as a way as like work and revelation talks about like the redeemed serving before the throne day and night, and there's you know the sun won't beat down and there'll be no more. Yeah, I see it like yeah. that way. Like we're actually living in like yeah. the image of God as we're supposed yeah. to be. And yeah, yeah. Like I guess like if you look back in Genesis three, we get that hint when. The Lord God's walking through the garden in the cool mm. of the day, and so it's implied that walking was quite regular. So mm. you say that there was a knowledge there, mm. an intimacy which yeah. is lost, yeah. which Jesus restores mm. when He's walking on earth with His disciples. Mm. And so you almost look at it that way: it's like we're not learning about God through the prism of like scripture. Mm. That makes sense because yeah, they acts as good. a filter. That's like, good. Because Moses gets like direct divine revelation. He sure. sees the burning. He sees God as a fire in a burning bush. He's yeah. up in the mountain, but then we rely more on mouthpieces. Mm. So, like mm. Jeremiah. So, we don't know how. Like, and like we kind of get hints of how prophets see things. They get dreams yeah. or words, but yeah, we yeah. we we kind of we are reading scripture through like a lens. If that yeah. makes sense, like it's filtered. Yeah, not direct. So. Yeah, I was. I, I couldn't help but think of um, just as you were talking the one Corinthians thirteen nine to twelve. It's like for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Yeah. So this idea of you know there is this greater understanding and and full understanding that will come. But yeah, I I kind of think that there will still be. Um, continual revelation and learning mm. that we will be face to face with God but we won't be God yeah yeah <laughs> so there will still be yeah as he is our father a teaching in the same mm. way that you know you teach your children the same way yeah. that you know you teach a congregation the same way in that way that's my speculation yeah though. Look, and all <laughs> this is a bit of speculation um, yeah but I think too for Again, kind of like looking at the context. Um, yeah, you've got a people here that just don't really know God's will. Mm. Like they know, sh- they know snippets. Yeah. They think, oh, well, Jerusalem will never fall. 
like there's a lack of deep knowledge there yeah and so yeah that promise of uh, being able to know like god's will exactly and what <laughs> that's quite oh yeah that's helpful there'll yeah, be no more yeah, exile yeah. it's almost in a way of saying there'll be no yeah. exile because he won't be separated yeah well let's let's talk about that mm. sort of idea of jerusalem because you obviously pointed to the 12 tribes of, mm. of israel and the 12 disciples that jesus mm. brings together um and then even furthermore i'd love to hear you kind of talk about that 7072 yeah. off <clears throat> off air we were kind of talking a bit about that and you had some really fascinating things to say mm. about that but yeah what, what do you see all of this representing so is this a special mm. promise for Israel mm. being brought back together again. Because, I mean, let's be real. All of Jesus' disciples were Jewish, yeah. right? So it's, you know, Jesus, who is from the line of David, mm. bringing together 12 men of mm. Israel together. Is this is this the new Israel that we're talking about? Yeah. Um, so I just would throw argue, you under the you, bus. No, 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 no. You're not throwing. I'm just getting, I'm just getting my laptops open, my screen open. Um, yes, yeah, so I would argue that what Jesus is doing is he's coming in and by picking the 12, it's representing a new Israel. Mm-hmm. Very, very deliberate language. Mm-hmm. And especially around that um, Passover meal, mm. by, and in Luke's version, like you say, this is co- it's a new covenant in mm. my blood. Like, mm. <laughs> to use that language, a new covenant, yeah. super deliberate. He's, and then again, blood, obviously, yeah. the cut. Uh, yeah, they get a cutting covenant. So Jesus is morphing Passover meal, which is a celebration, remember, of the Exodus. Mm becoming you know god's chosen people his firstborn son mm. the son of god here is saying oh no like this meal now is going <clears> to <throat> symbolize the new covenant that jeremiah spoke about mm. it's not a covenant made by a passover lamb being spread over a door mm. it's through my blood mm. that is shed mm. and because jesus is the one that brings a baptism of the holy spirit and mm. when ezekiel talks about the ever everlasting covenant that's what he talks about being sprinkled having their hearts clean mm. and so jesus well even with nicodemus says hey you need to be born again yeah, like yeah, you must yeah. be born again nicodemus is like, what are you talking about man like i can't yeah, get back yeah, in yeah. my mother's womb but <laughs> it's a spiritual rebirth in order yeah. for people to find life in order to be the true israel mm. um yeah people need to be born again through jesus yeah and so like in romans 9 to 11 it's a pretty controversial passage people kind of argue but and but in but in Galatians three, I find like a lot more clearer than Romans. Mm. It says here Galatians three seven. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Mm. And so Paul in like Romans and Galatians, he always argues that. Gospel is for the Jew first, then the Greek or the Gentile. Mm. So promises were given to Abraham that through this, through his family. But even like what what is an Israelite that gets well, yeah, messy sure. too because we know they're foreigners. We yep. know yep. the people like Rahab's and Ruth. So yeah, even yeah, that yeah. like, <clears throat> what is an Israelite? Someone that follows Yahweh's Torah, yeah. follows his laws. But <clears throat> let's just kind of push that aside. Like the <laughs> family of Abraham mm. are called to be a blessing upon the world. So the promises yeah. are given to the descendants of Abraham. Yeah. And from that, all nations, nations are to come and to be blessed. And so <clears throat> Jesus starting with 12 disciples. Okay, he's a new 12 tribes of sure. Israel. And he takes people who in our modern world would be <clears throat> far right, far left, yeah, yeah, brings yeah. them together. Yeah. 
which I think we kind of lose sight of. Like Matthew's a tax collector, so yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be Simon's like a, a zealot, a lefty, yeah, you know? yeah. And he's and you've got the zealot and the far right, like yeah. religious extremists. Yeah, brings them together, unifies yeah. them. This is the new humanity. And in Luke ten, there is a bit of debate if it's seventy or seventy-two, mm. and that's a deliberate riffing off when Jacob leads his family down to mm. Egypt. There's seventy or seventy-two again. It gets a bit. But the idea of that number of 70 is a yeah. complete, so this yeah. complete family yeah. goes down to Egypt yeah. and then from Egypt. And then in Genesis 10, you got 70 nations. Mm. So this image of 70, mm. so you got 12, which is Israel, a new Israel, 70, which is symbolic of, yeah, the family of Jacob slash all the world. Mm. And then as you see in Acts, that's the church, the new Israel begins to grow. Yeah, it's, mm has lots of Jews in it mm. but it includes Gentiles and that's mm. what the church had to face with like when Peter has that vision of you know seeing the animals get up kill and eat and, oh, I mm. can't eat that I can't eat what's unclean and God's saying hey you know like mm. you don't call what God's made clean unclean mm. and when Cornelius and his household receive the Holy Spirit it's like oh he's like okay wow like I see God's promises yeah, yeah, yeah. are for Gentiles too when yeah. that Jerusalem council meets in Acts 15 they're wrestling with like okay in the new covenant yep. we're not bound with it's different like we still have to kind of follow God's righteous God's just but so the ceremonial parts are no longer relevant and they yeah. have to wrestle with that and this yeah. realisation that through Jesus, Jesus has come to fulfil the law mm. and in some ways made the law more difficult for us because mm. it's no longer just, well, I haven't actually killed someone. If you hate them in your heart, you might as well murder them. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. not just a physical act of adultery. It's like in your mind. So mm. otherwise it's a lot more challenging. Sure, <laughs> and, yeah. Um, <coughs> anyway, where's I going? Like, oh, yeah, and <coughs> but that idea there... The Gentiles coming in. This is what the new humanity mm. that that the prophets were talking about, mm. and it was and it was like in Isaiah, you got a vision of the nation streaming into mm. Jerusalem in Isaiah mm. too, mm. and Luke riffs off a bit that with Pentecost, even though they're Jews, but they're Jews yeah, coming yeah, from yeah. all around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and people start speaking different <coughs> languages, right? And yeah, and then yeah. what happens when the Spirit comes? They all can. Like the, it's a reversal of Babel. Yeah. So Babel split humanity yeah. into different languages. In different tribes, yeah. Pentecost brings a new humanity. Mm. People can understand mm. each other. Mm. And so, mm. yeah, so that's what I see with <coughs> New Covenant is that Jesus come. Yeah, the old covenant ceased. Yeah. We, the, the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham through Jesus. Mm. He is the son of Abraham that will bless the whole world. And yeah. so, yeah, as Paul says here, and I think it's... Clear as, clear as day here, like Galatians. Hey, if you if you have faith, you are a child of Abraham. Mm. And uh, he, he saw this, Gentiles would be justified by faith. So mm. and we're part of that promise. And <clears throat> yeah, and God's desire is not, I don't see it as like sort of Israel and the church are separate, but mm. unified. And God's desire is for the Jews, slash mm. Israel, to come into faith, for mm. Gentiles to come into faith, for all people to come. Mm into faith and to be part <coughs> of this new covenant mm. yeah, made through the blood of his son. 
I love that. And mm. I think one thing that I've been really challenged with over the last couple of years of, yes, Jesus's death on the cross was atonement mm. for our sin, but it was so much more than that, including sort of a new covenant needing to be cut, mm. right? There needs to even be blood shed when a new covenant is cut. Mm. You know, we see that with the circumcision. We see that with the sacrifices and we see that with Mm. his crucifixion. Mm. And it's like, yes, Jesus's crucifixion is atonement for our sins, but it is also so much more than that. Mm. And that's just yet another thing that is being brought into the mix that this is allowing a new covenant to be entered into Mm. through his crucifixion. It's beautiful. Yes. I think that for this conversation I'm already thinking about so many little (laughs) threads of a sweater that have been pulled that Mm. I'm sure have for some people been kind of pulled out even more and we might need to talk about another time but I think that um, yeah as far as the old covenant and the new covenant Mm. goes I think that's really really helpful in being able to view it through that more holistic lens Mm. that the old covenant isn't something which is um, yeah we we sort of uh, look back at Mm. with disgust Mm. (laughs) And, and avoidance it is the foundation of the new covenant mm. um, and I think when we can appreciate that um, it not only gives more depth to the old covenant but also mm. to the new yeah it's really beautiful and I remember <clears throat> one of my Old Testament lecturers said the New Testament's way more violent than the old it's like the death of <clears throat> a few Canaanites is nothing compared to Jesus bearing the full wrath of God Mm. I never really thought of it that way. Kind of like, oh, yeah, when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, oh, that's a bad moment. But mm. that's kind of when it's argued that the full wrath of God has fallen upon him. It's like, yeah, that's pretty intense. Mm. Like, that's, yeah. And yeah, what what is interesting, and we'll talk about this definitely on Sunday, so mm. jumping ahead, but yeah, God's wrath. Still there in the New Testament. Sure. Yeah, Romans 1, for the wrath of God is revealed mm-hmm. against all yeah, mm-hmm. ungodliness and sinfulness of mm-hmm. humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Paul connects that, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to all who do believe, first the Jew, then the Greek. Yeah, mm-hmm. for the righteousness of God is revealed for all the wrath of God. So he connects even the, like the gospel, the yeah. power of it for salvation, yeah, but yeah, also yeah. reveals God's wrath. Yeah. against sin which yeah sure has been forgiven by Jesus but God is still a God of justice and mm. Mm. so so good well we've kind of we've kind of been teasing it yeah, all, we have. Uh, all better yeah, yeah. but we're kind of we're finishing Jeremiah and we're going to go into a three week series now yeah. uh, what's that going to look like so then? we're going to do live banter again Come for on. the next three weeks just three weeks if just you don't weeks. although if you don't like banter you're probably not listening to probably this probably not so if so you do I like banter like, this, is like, oh. this is all good news yeah. for the people listening so <clears throat> we're going to look at the trinity so Father, Son, Spirit over <clears throat> next three weeks. And rather than becoming like a lecture, because that's what this could easily descend into, mm. unpacking <clears throat> the Trinity in each person mm. of God, doing it in this conversational form mm. that space for us to bounce ideas off each other, yeah. but also for the congregation to ask mm. questions. Mm. So we'll, probably, we'll try and put something in the pastor's desk for mm. this Friday to give people an opportunity to yeah. put questions in and be thinking about that. Mm. Uh, and I think it'd be good to, on Sunday, be coming with some questions yeah. loaded, ready to go, because yeah. we'd love to explore it. And appropriately, on Father's Day, exploring yes. God the Father. Father. Yeah, so. Who would have thought we didn't even really plan I didn't, that? No, no. So, we, yeah. just, we just had three weeks to, you know kind of ah, plan a little mini series so. yeah 
God's so timing. I think that's going to be really helpful. And I think yeah. definitely a great sort of um, continuation of what we've been talking about yes. a lot today with yeah. covenants and the, the crucifixion mm. and, yeah, God's wrath. Yeah. It's definitely... And I think, too, the Trinity is one of these, I guess, lack of a doctrines that Christians probably know cerebrally. Like, yeah, okay. Yep. But they don't really know why it's so important. Yeah. It's sort of a bit like, uh, well, the word Trinity is never in the Bible. Sure. Like, you have to sort of... Go a little bit hunting for it, like yep. it doesn't. But actually, realizing that without each person of the Trinity, we wouldn't have salvation mm-hmm. or God or Christianity or anything. And so, mm. actually, it's pretty critical for us to understand and mm. live out our faith. So, yeah, mm. so good. Getting Inside. to know God more deeply. That's what it's all about. <laughs> well, thanks, bro. No, thanks, Murray. Always a joke. And I, um, before we go, I'm loving the man bun. You can't see Murray. Thanks, I made man. a joke that uh, in his contract he must have a man bun. So. My Nazarene vow, yeah. no, look, I'm just, it's a bad hair day. Don't, don't, don't hold on <laughs> for a man butt on Sunday, guys. <laughs> See, you See ya. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.